One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends called me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling. Hasn't had me back, but now I've got this podcast. Welcome to my podcast. Hey, Dirtbags. Welcome to A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I'm just stoked to have you here this week. Our guest this week is my good friend, Jocelyn Paulette. She's a fabulous songwriter, amazing person. I'm just, I've always been a big fan of Jocelyn's, and I'm so glad that those of you that aren't familiar with her that are listening to this are going to now be familiar with her because she's awesome and the whole world would benefit from being more familiar with Jocelyn Paulette. So please stay tuned. I'm recording this podcast intro from a basement in Cincinnati, Ohio. We played at Southgate House Revival last night in Northern Kentucky. First two nights of tour have been amazing. This podcast isn't coming. Coming out until Thursday, so I guess tonight we're actually in Denver at East Fax Tap. Tomorrow we're in Provo, Utah at ABG's. Saturday night we're at the Garage on Beck in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then Sunday night we're in Salt Lake City, Utah again at Quarters in the DLC. And just so y'all know, Saturday night is with Jocelyn Paulette. We talked about it on the show today. And Sunday is with my friend Vincent Draper and the Coles. It's going to be great shows. Please come through if you're in Utah. Monday, the 18th, we're in Pacifica, California at Winter's Tavern. The 19th, we're in Los Angeles. We're playing a house show in Northern Hollywood. So if you want to attend to that, please hit me up on Instagram, charles.smellsworth. On 420, we're in Escondido, California at Jacked Up Brewing with our friends Roger. The 21st, we're in Ahwatukee, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. And we're playing a house show, so also message me if you want details. The 22nd, we're in Sholo, Arizona, another house show. The 23rd, we're in Miami, Arizona at Miami Artworks. The 24th, we're in Tucson, Arizona at Chase Lounge. The 26th, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Mercury Lounge for Happy Hour. And then later on at the Rabbit Hole with our friends Humminbird and a couple other great bands. So please, if you're in Tulsa, come through. The 28th, we're in Memphis at Murphy's. The 29th, we're in Madison, Indiana at Off Broadway Tap. And then the 30th, we're in Chattanooga at Cherry Street Tavern. So if you live in or near any of those cities, come catch us on tour. I'm so excited for y'all to hear this episode it's nice short and sweet Jocely and I get really into it really quick and I, I had such a nice time catching up with my friend I'm excited for y'all to listen this week's sponsor is once again my Patreon if you're not familiar with Patreon it's a website where you can decide to support musicians or, or artists or something that you think deserves your support uh, just through kind of like a subscription fee you pay three five ten dollars a month whatever it is you're not going to miss too much and that goes to the artists and helps them keep the dream alive helps me keep the wheels on the road and keep them going round and round if you'd like to learn more please go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth if you sign up for patreon for ten dollars or more each month you get a shout out on this podcast so i wanted to give a shout out to my friend sarah she's a dear friend she's been a guest on the podcast actually and she's also been a supporter of mine on patreon for a long time now and she just messaged me this week saying that she's gonna be a mom and i think that's so beautiful and i'm so happy for her i really really just want to say thank you so much Sarah for the support throughout the years you're an awesome human being and I'm so excited for this next chapter in your life and I can't wait to meet your daughter at one of my shows down the road and I just wish the best for you so thank you so much for the support through all the years 
If you'd like to support the podcast, but you're not really feeling the Patreon thing, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go to Bandcamp, charlesellsworth.bandcamp.com and check out some of my music or my merchandise that I have on there. Listen to my music on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use to listen to music. Subscribe to this podcast, give it a rating, share it with your friends. All of those things that help spread the word about the podcast or my music or I have a YouTube channel where I try and release a video every other week. Any of those things, you just help watch the videos, share them with your friends if you like them. It, it just makes a big difference for me and I know sometimes, especially right now, money can be kind of tight and so signing up on Patreon or buying a t-shirt might be difficult and I totally understand that. And if you want to still make sure that I can keep doing what I do, please just spread the word. Let people know about the things you like about my music or my podcast or my YouTube channel. That makes a big difference for me and it's so appreciated. I got to get this podcast edited and ready to go because we got a few hours before we drive to Chicago. So wish me luck, I guess. you'll. I mean, by the time you hear this, it will have been edited and everything like that. But I'm so happy to be on the road. I feel so grateful just the fact that I get to do this and that me and my friends are driving around in a van with my dog and playing rock and roll shows and I get to see my friends all over the country for the next three weeks I'm I'm just so grateful and I want to just say thanks so much to anyone who's ever listened to my music or come to a show or just supported me in any way it's just I don't know I feel so lucky so thank you so much I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend Josalie Pollitt hi sorry I accidentally denied your call the first time <laughs> okay um I think that it's working <laughs> the last excellent the last little bit recorded it the, the sound quality is not as good as i would like but you know that's just how it is when you're recording something over a phone call you know it's true yeah you, you'd think we'd have gotten with the times on that shit but it's still not quite the best <laughs> yeah it's still still not as good as in-person recording you know but, but and, uh, not quite analog but Josely, um, jump right in. Tell me about yourself a little bit. Sure. Um, so my name is Josely Paulette. Um, I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. Um, I am from Ogden, Utah, but I currently reside in Salt Lake City. Um, and I'm a lot of things, but I like to be a musician more than all of the other things that I am. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I'm a musician and a project manager, and I have a lot of pets. <laughs> I Music is like my whole uh, thing, whether it's making it or listening to it or talking about it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I love it. I think um, that's, that's that is you in a nutshell as far as I I know. And I what I have always really loved about you is your I mean amongst many things, but like you do always seem to have your finger on the pulse of like what great music is going on, whether it's like new music or just like discovery of stuff that's been out for a while, but like it's just like a hidden gem and I find myself to be like a little burned out on music sometimes where I just don't consume a lot of it and I'm jealous of people that do so yeah maybe jealous is the right word but um you know what I mean yeah it can get overwhelming especially when it's like when it's your hustle and it's just what you do for for work and for life um I I go through phases too but it's 
it's one that I just can't quit no matter how burned out I get, <laughs> especially when I'm talking about it. Ma- making it's a whole other story, but. <laughs> yeah, the making it has to go in cycles. I finally just accepted that. You know, sometimes you're writing songs and sometimes you're not. And you have to, like, sit down and work on it. But sometimes, you know, like, the best things aren't just going to come to you all the time, you know? Exactly. It, it's really hard to do. It's uh, it's finding that balance of being a creative person and accepting that that's, like, how you express yourself, but also seeing it as, like, a practical practice that you can, like, get better at and work at and, you know, improve upon. And sometimes that means not waiting for for inspiration or cycles and that can be a frustrating space to live in and I know you get that. <laughs> yeah, it can definitely be frustrating. And the the that emotion is so closely tied to or it's like it's entangled with something you care about so much. You don't get frustrated with stuff you don't care about. And so yeah, I, I I can find myself coming in and out of that. Where, where did your love for music first start? Were you were you like learning how to play piano and lessons at a young age, or did, did you know what? Where did that all start for you? I I feel like I don't necessarily remember any like concrete uh, introduction to music as a huge part of my life. It kind of was just a given. I I feel really lucky in that both of my parents are similar to me in that music at least listening to music is kind of one of their main priorities in life um and and both of them played instruments and my dad was always in bands when I was a kid I was like little little and would just like dad having band practice was just a normal part of my childhood and he taught music lessons too so I just kind of like he wasn't ever forceful about it it was just music was always on in the house or being played so it felt just really natural for me to start tinkering around with things and uh I started playing the drums first in like before even I started school I got really into playing the drums and started really? taking lessons with those yeah so that was kind of like my first foray into playing an instrument and then kind of dabbled in a bunch of other things. I played stand-up bass in orchestra for a lot of my uh, elementary and middle school years and switched over to electric bass for a little while. And then as a young preteen full of angst and feelings, uh, felt like I needed something that I could write sad girl angsty songs on instead of the drums or the bass and started playing the guitar. So it really just like, it never, it never felt like a choice but it wasn't forced upon me, if that makes sense. It was just kind of like, no, this is this is part of me and what I do, and I have a lot mm-hmm. of feelings, and now I need to express them. So this is like the easiest, most readily available thing to express those feelings. So I'm going to start writing songs and playing guitar, and yeah, just kind of jumped right into it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, I, I love that it's always been connected to just like a, a form of expression or feelings or like having to get something out or express yourself. And, um, I was not, and now you said it was never really a choice, but it was never like foresight. It was, uh, I don't know, just really cool. Um, I had a, a little yeah. bit of a different experience with music. So um, it's cool that your parents were, both very into music and you dad was a musician and but still didn't like force you into Is that kinda of like your relationship with your parents all along? Were they pretty pretty laid back? Yeah, definitely. 
exactly. I I always talk about growing up in like a little bit of a hippie party band practice house. Um, not a whole lot of structure when I was a kid. There was always like band parties and my parents were really young. Like I'm older than my parents were now uh, for like the most formative years of my childhood. <laughs> so I just uh, think about like people people in their early 20s just like trying to raise kids <laughs> and stresses me out to think about now but <laughs> it was it was always just like very colorful people and very big personalities and and lots of fun and music and, and group jams and uh, instruments in every corner and loud Frank Zappa on every stereo and <laughs> it really just kind of it, it was a breeding ground for creativity that's for sure. <laughs> That's cool. That's uh, I had a very different experience, and I think they're they're both beautiful and valid in their own ways. But I, I definitely envied the kids sometimes that had a little bit more uh, freedom, or um, you know, just like a little less structure and ability to kind of find yourself. Like I don't think I really got much of a chance to really do that until you know college. Like a lot of people, but you get out of high school, yeah. you finally move away, and you're like. Oh, now I can kind of try and be more the me than me and not the me that other people expect me to be. Totally. It's, it's really interesting. I, I talked to a lot of people about that, especially growing up in Utah, where a lot of the culture is pretty religious and a lot different than the household that I grew up in, where I'll have people say like, damn, your childhood's so cool. And like, I wish I would have grown up like that. And it's, you know, everybody's experience is so different and I think it 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 formed me in different ways to where when I kind of grew up or grew older and out of that I became more of like a a structured rule follower a little bit in my personality because I lacked a lot of that as a kid so I feel like a lot of people were able to like kind of grow into themselves and and you know be more exploratory and creative and and fun and crazy as they got older and I almost did kind of the opposite or as I started to get older I was just like I need structure and I need rules and if nobody's going to give them to me I'm going to put them all on myself <laughs> and sort of sort of created like this intense personality out of all of it that I've been slowly learning how to how to manage and and keep under control <laughs> in the right way that's like a healthy good way but that's all of us, you know. We all grew up in some crazy way that's deeply impacted us for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's uh, I I think it's like no matter what, like your parents are gonna fuck you up in some way, you know. And I and I mean that yeah. in like the gentlest term of the word or the most extreme term of the word. Yeah, it's just like absolutely. life, you know. Nobody gets out alive, and like. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the day I was able to just accept that my parents are just people, like yeah. just fucking human beings, just a couple of meat bags that became conscious, you know, and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. you know, like, because, and then it makes the, sometimes it makes the imposter syndrome a little bit more easier to bear, because it's like, well, God, nobody I know has ever known really anything, so I, what am I so worried yeah. about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, none yeah. of this matters. <laughs> I mean, it does, it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all, no, it's perfect. <laughs> We're all uniquely messed up in our own little weird ways. And 
yeah, I, I, I really admire like trying to just be able to see your parents as people and flawed humans, especially as you get to be like the age that your parents were and are and you're just kind of like, oh, I always assumed y'all have this figured out or like knew what the fuck you were doing and turned out absolutely nobody does. No matter how old you are or how many kids you have, we're all just kind of winging it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it's such a freeing thought. It's like a little terrifying, but like, once again, it's like, I mean, and I don't mean to be so brash or like uh, so um, so callous about like, you know, our, our ultimate demise, but like, yeah, like eventually we're all going to not be here. And like, what's the worst thing that can happen is like you die, uh, you know, like that. I mean, obviously there's horrible things that could, I, I guess it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, like, don't take certain things so seriously because like either way, you know, we're all going to be dead in a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. you got a, a short amount of time we're just, yeah, I think Kurt Vonnegut said my favorite quote of all time is that we're just here on earth to fart around. And if you take yourself too seriously in any direction, it's kind of a waste of time. <laughs> totally. I, I love that. I, I, and I mean, I, I grew up on the opposite end of like, it was in Arizona, but I grew up Mormon and relatively strict Mormon. And even when my family stopped, uh, being LDS when I was like 15, they were still very strict and followed a lot of those same things. They just didn't want to put up with all the Mormonness, <laughs> you know, all the bullshit, <laughs> right. like, clicky, just like, I don't know. Like, it's funny how like people who think that they're like following divinity can be such assholes. Right? It makes no sense to me. Like, isn't the whole point yeah. of this thing to like try and be better people and somehow y'all have fucked that up so bad that you're just all making yourselves worse on a daily basis? What are we doing? <laughs> we misread something. We did not <laughs> interpret something correctly along the way. <laughs> yeah, there, there was something lost in translation for sure. I'm not saying that, Absolutely. you know, anyone, I'm not going to say that like someone, that like there is no God or whatnot. I mean, I will say that, but like, if you want to believe in it, go for it. Um <laughs> Right. But it's it just like, I don't know, it's just so funny how that works. It's just tribalism and it's the small human mind. And um, I guess, what, what was I getting at? <laughs> um, so what was the, I'm going to take it back a little bit. What was the first band or artist or song that you can remember really like, you know, really like getting its claws in you and making you like, I got to just play this on repeat over and over and over. That's a great question. I feel like there were so many from my childhood because music was just always on and there were always songs that I loved when I was little, little. Um, I think that one of the first, first couple, and it's funny because um, there is two separate artists that are actually married now and at the time I did not know that and I don't know if they were but Paul Simon and uh, Edie Brickell were like two of my heroes when I was a little kid like I had Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians like her I think there were a couple albums she did in the early 90s that I was just absolutely obsessed with and like it was the soundtrack to all of my toys playing and it was like what I requested in the car and it was what I wanted to sing at like family things. And um, yeah, I, 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 a lot of my like songwriting, I think kind of stems a lot from a lot of older Edie Raquel stuff. It was just like, Oh, this is how you express feelings. This is how you do it. 
And then mm-hmm. Paul Simon was just like a hero in my household. Like my mom was always just very into Paul Simon's like, just like a greatest hit CD, I think is mainly what we had, but we listened uh-huh. to the shit out of it at like every camping trip. And those are, those are kind of some, some ones that really stick with me and, and kind of formed me into a, a music loving person. I think <laughs> it's Not wild that. to me that they're married. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea that they were married. Yeah, they've been married for something like 20 years, I think. It's it's wild. I remember the day I found that out when I was like, my little mind just exploded. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Paul Simon wasn't someone that I discovered until much later on, or at least his full catalog of work. Obviously, I knew knew the bangers just from like the Forrest Gump soundtrack and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, I think... Every time I'm writing a record, I find myself listening to a whole lot of Paul Simon. Like I, I don't think anybody <laughs> writes pop music as well as Paul Simon. Like, or I mean, not as well, but like, I think like when he hits the nail on the head, it's like like as good as music gets. Yeah, absolutely. And his just his songwriting and his lyrics are just captivating stories every time. And it was, it was, yeah, it was like sitting down for story time listening to those songs when I was a kid. It was just like so visual in my imagination of like who the characters were and who he was. And I just, I I think that's when it clicked for me of like, I, this is the best way to communicate things. Like this is how you get people to see how you feel is writing songs like this. And I've just always loved him for that. Yeah, that's, uh. That's so true. One time I read that he said, maybe a quote from him, something along the lines of like, to write pop music, you need to just like say everything that you want to say in as little words as possible. And I'm like, oh man, that's like exactly what he does. I'm like, I just use way too many fucking words in all of my stuff. Uh, (laughs) But it's like one of those things where I, as an exercise, I always wanted to do it and I need to do it because I haven't um but just like write a song the way I normally would and then just cut out every third word and see if it yeah. still makes sense if it does like fuck it you know what I mean like <laughs> absolutely I love that and I, I think kind of like I don't I don't I don't think there's any right way to write a song. I, I'm all for like wordy songs and simple songs and autobiographical and bullshit fantasy songs. I think they're all amazing, but I do think that there is something to be said about simplicity in songwriting that allows it to be more relatable to more people. And I love that about it. Like I've written songs in the past where I thought I was like being very specific about something, but maybe used like, fewer words than than necessary and had other people approach me and be like this song I related to it because this happened in my life and this is what I took from it and I'll be like holy shit dude that is not even a little bit what I wrote that song about but I love that that's what you took from it and I think sometimes like taking that step back and being really simplistic with shit is how you kind of breed imagination in other people and, and that connection with people as listeners has always been like such a big important part of songwriting for me and, and I think yeah Paul Simon really nailed that where he can say it's something so simple and a hundred people are like oh my god I know exactly what he means and all of them are incorrect but all of them are absolutely right 
<laughs> yeah. No, I well, I, I think that there's definitely, I mean, I agree with what you said earlier about there's no right or wrong way to write a song or to make music or, like, really to live your life. I mean, like, unless you're, like, hurting people or whatnot. But, um, right. you know, like, I, I just think there are, yeah, there are no rules. And there's, and I don't know, something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I've been, like, co-writing with, um, some of the dudes in my band and we're playing some songs that like I didn't write or like uh, they weren't you know maybe help you know finish them but like my bass player Jared wrote a couple of the songs we're playing on this tour and I haven't like played other people's songs in a long time and yeah. uh, and and like realizing that like I can also be so callous about things just because you know you've been just uh, I just I have a different relationship with music that over the past 10 years than a lot of people are, I, I don't know, sometimes I can be like, ah, it's just a fucking song, who cares, you know, and like, I'm like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> right. you know, like, uh, yeah. and he's like, you, you, you keep singing different words there, I'm like, yeah, because I don't really have words yet, you know, and like, for his songs, he like, wants them to be exactly how he pictures them and everything like that, and I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I miss that, I miss hearing so much, but also, I felt like I feel like I didn't really get much done when I cared so much. So it's like that weird. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's uh, you you can sit forever trying to get like the right words with something, and then occasionally that just means you're never gonna finish that fucking song. <laughs> oh my god, that's why I have songs that take me six years to write sometimes, and it's like oh, it wasn't even that good. It was better. It's better. It was probably better when I first wrote it because it had that raw like energy of like this song just came into the universe and, and like it knows what it's supposed to be more than I do yeah exactly I, I I find that very uh very relatable I feel like a lot of the songs that songs that are like my favorite songs that I've written are always ones that were just like I sat down with a feeling and I wrote for 10 minutes and that's how the song still is and it hasn't really changed beyond that at least lyrically and mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like the more I like try and tinker with the right word or the right phrasing or like captivating the right feeling, it in my brain it's like it it kind of deteriorates the longer I fuck with it. It's like uh like silly putty or something that it's just like just I'm not really working this into anything great and I should have just stopped touching it after the first couple minutes. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way and sometimes it's like it needed more editing and more time and this word is so much better, but it's just yeah, songwriting is a beast. <laughs> yeah, I it it's a it's really it's weird to find that balance and I think it um it's part of why I like working with a producer when I make a record or why I'm liking writing with my band is is it kind of re like it introduces new life to an idea you may have had a few years ago that's just kind of been sitting in the back of your head for a long time and you, and I'm like always like I'll every time I pick up a guitar not every time but like I've got songs that I've been kind of just like, I'll play twice a month at least for like years, just because it's like in my head, but it never goes anywhere. And then you sit down with mm-hmm. someone for 15 minutes who's got a new perspective on it. And it's like, that song's gone. You know, it just needed yeah. that extra bit of life, that that little, um, 
the, the other perspective. Have you have Absolutely. you had that experience? Yeah, definitely. And and just while you're talking about that, I I feel like I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I think that um I, I've certainly felt this way, and I I don't know if you have as as kind of mainly somewhat solo artists for a lot of your music career but it almost it's like kind of becomes a little bit of a stubborn pride thing of just like no I've been doing this my on my own for so long and I, I think it's really easily relatable to like like community things too because I have recently over the last couple of years realized that like hey I do need other people and I I do need like community and friends and like loved ones to be able to help me. And like realizing that in art is such a important thing to come to as well, because everybody has such a unique and cool perspective. And I've never written with other people until the last couple of years. Um, my bandmate, he's my only bandmate right now, uh, Jordan Rocco. Um, he kind of came into my life really quickly and, we just worked really well together and became really good friends and immediately started playing music together. And now we kind of just, we have a really comfortable, like close relationship with writing songs where I I am finally like getting more comfortable and allowing myself to write with another person and be able to say like, I don't have a melody for this yet. Or like, I have this concept for like part of this and I'm not going to hide it from the world until it's done and perfect. I'm going to say like, here's this idea. What do you think? Do you have other ideas? Is there something that could make it better or something that you already have that could fit with it? And it's so comforting and exciting and like a burst of energy and creativity to have that of like oh I I don't have to do this by myself and it can be a lot better when I bring other people into it and I'm trying to learn that lesson in not just music but in all aspects of my life lately. (laughs) Yeah asking for help or being I mean I am I am Mr. fucking let me sit up alone in my tower and fucking because I like live on the second floor and I don't leave my bedroom for like the whole winter and and like yeah. I don't need any fucking help from anybody you know like I totally relate <laughs> that and then every Absolutely. time I allow myself to be vulnerable to, to vulnerable enough to ask for help or to say like I I don't understand this or like well you know what I mean just like being open to being like to to being wrong or or all of the things just vulnerable and, and it just like I don't know it's it feels so good, and it's such a great way to thing to strive for. I feel like, um, yeah. But it's also like I don't know. It could sometimes it feels like it it like deteriorates that muscle deteriorates really quickly, and, and it probably has to do with depression and isolationism. But like when you you know when you're not good at like doing the vulnerable thing or asking for help or um, it makes it like that much harder to do it the next time, or if you don't Absolutely. do it, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's totally a muscle. Like you have to practice that and you have to get better at it. And especially if you're so used to to being up in your in your second floor castle and just doing your own thing. Um it, it, if you're not practicing like constantly asking help from other people or advice from other people and like consistently using that vulnerability because it's a superpower and it needs to be like let out and practice and if you're not doing that especially with like the just the the delicateness of like mental health especially over the last couple of years and like being alone or like not being in close proximity with people because of the pandemic and because of all sorts of things like it that that 
isolation becomes really comfortable, especially if you're used to it in other aspects of your life. And getting that ability back to to reach out to people and, and collaborate with people is necessary for our survival and also so hard. <laughs> so rewarding, but it's so fucking hard. Yeah, it is. It is so hard. And it, and like you mentioned the, the fragility of mental health and like also physical health. And it's, it's something I've, both those things I've had to focus on so much more as I've gotten older, just because I think I'd have like self-destructed or just completely lost my mind. Uh, yeah. Had I not actually like started focusing on those things. Um, and I know you have, you, you know, try to be, um, you know, healthy, you, you, your diet and you, you work out like and you like you're obviously very open about your mental health like do you what is your relationship with like health in general like if you're so, if it's, yeah, yeah. no you're good it's uh it's, it's like I feel like like every relationship to anything as a human it's complicated <laughs> it's finding that yeah it's finding that balance between like I'm gonna cut myself some slack and you know drink and party and be good like like socially available and connecting with people and then that getting to be too much and feeling like the physical effects of that and the mental effects of that and then overcorrecting and isolating and, and, you know, going to the gym every day and drinking a smoothie every day, but maybe avoiding friends. And like, like it is this constant battle of extremes, I feel like for me, and it has been pretty consistently for probably the majority of my adult life. I feel like I've gone through really big phases where I've gotten like very, very into like, like keeping my body super healthy and like only eating the right foods or whatever some stupid fucking podcast is telling you is the right food, you know? And then like, yeah. like swinging hardcore the other direction of just like, wow, I can't believe that like, like I was isolating myself or like prioritizing this thing. And it's really hard to find that balance, especially as somebody with a lot of like control issues, um, like health and physical health specifically can be something that is like very um, appealing to take extreme control over when you don't have control over other aspects of your life and because we're humans and we live in a crazy fucking world you don't usually have control over a lot of things so I've, I've used like physical health as something that I like kind of dig a little too deep in sometimes and have ended, ended up like with injuries or like um, obsessive behaviors and things like that just because it, it, it's something that I feel like I can control so it's it's always like some sort of weird fucked up balance of like, okay, have fun, but not too much fun. And, you know, be good, but not so good that it's all you care about. And <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, I think there's a, there's a band. Um, it's, I can't remember the, the song or name. It's going to bug me, but the band is called friendship and they mm-hmm. have a song where, where the lyrics is um, dirty enough to be happy but clean enough to be healthy and like I I feel like that's a really good explanation of just like like trying to live in that middle balance of like extremes are harmful but like finding the balance is also very difficult so it's just it's kind of a constant push and pull honestly (laughs) yeah no and that's my relationship with with I mean it's like you said it's a really complicated relationship with um, exercise or health or um, like mental health, I, I, uh, 
yeah, it's like I'll go a few months where I'm just journaling every day or like meditating and working out and just being really, really healthy. And then like something happens, I start preparing for a tour or whatever it is that like, you know, throws me off. And then I'm, you know, I'm like, I don't know, just not yeah. healthy. Yeah. And, and, and you, like, totally. like, hey, Allie, you want me to I'm like, yo, give me some Ben and Jerry and I'll like, And, and we live in a, a culture and a society that has like told us or given us some script of like what healthy looks like or what self-care looks like or what, you know, taking care of yourself looks like. And sometimes taking care of yourself means like dropping the schedule and like eating the whole Ben and Jerry's. And like, like sometimes that is exactly what you need. And we've just like fucked everything so we have so much guilt and like shame over things like that that just feeds into like this mental health spiral where it's really hard to feel like you can get it right where it's like okay I'm doing really good according to like everything that has said what good is and now if I fail at that I'm going to hate myself so how do I how do I like more gently define what good looks like for me and just for me instead of like letting other habits or behaviors like dictate what I think is good or right for me and I think that's just like allowing flexibility and allowing things to change because what's good for you a month ago is not going to be good for you the week before tour you know like that's it's just it's so hard to figure out that kind of shit and to like not let shame or guilt or like beating yourself up creep into it at least that's that's kind of how I've always had to deal with it it's just like okay I'm going to do this and I'm going to try not to hate myself about it. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) Totally. And I've always been, and I think it's because I grew up playing sports and taking it very seriously. um, And like, that was where I got a lot of structure and how I learned, uh, you know, like, like a lot of, in a lot of ways, my, my coaches filled some like paternal um, roles that like, you know, my, my real dad wasn't around and my stepdad, worked a ton and he did what he could but you know and it's so and so I learned a lot about like what it means to quote unquote be a man in that world and and the toxic and the good end of those things and uh but a yeah. lot of it is and what I'm getting at is it's uh, uh the, it's like I've always felt like I was really outwardly or motivated like I needed someone like coaches yelling at me to like do the push-ups and like blah 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 and all you know yeah. these things and uh, and then when you become an adult, especially someone like me who can really kind of isolate, that motivation can very quickly become very toxic because you're saying like, "Come on, you piece of shit!" Like you're, you know what I mean? You're saying, all these "Yeah." Things. And it's like, and it's like, oh, you know, why is it that you let everybody else around you be human besides yourself? You know, and oh yeah, and like having to like relearn that and relearn, um, um, you know, and like yes, yeah, sometimes the the self care is is eating the whole Ben and Jerry's or or you know not working out for however long, but like also realizing that like for me it was like eventually trying to realize that like the real self care too is like going back to like caring, <laughs> you know what I mean? Going making yeah. your way back to to the actual care part um and that's like yeah. you know with building like healthy habits you know when um when it came to like doing yoga that's how i got back into working out in the past few years and it's like just start doing yoga do a yoga video on youtube once a day you know and that then i was quitting drinking around the same time so it, it just became this obsessive thing where i did yoga like four times a day like any chance <laughs> yeah. i could 
in my living room doing yoga because I'm like, this makes sense. I can I can handle this right now. And out there, it's just like everything wants me to get fucking wasted, and I and I don't yes. want to get wasted, but I know how easy. It, um, Absolutely. But, and that was like the the right know. perfect thing for you at that time. That's what care looks like for you to get through that specific time in Chuck's life, and that's really cool. Especially to like to know when when you've like moved past those things too of just like okay maybe I don't have to be as extreme on this and I've like built up the right habits or the right muscles to be able to like bring this into my life in a good way that's consistent but maybe it doesn't have to be so extreme to like protect myself. Um, I I totally relate to that a lot. Totally, I've I mean that's where I'm kind of coming back circle to the um that's why i've never like said like claim to be like sober or or whatnot because like i mean i still obviously you know smoke weed and do psychedelic and whatnot um but <laughs> also like i don't want to draw like those hard super hard lines with anything um i mean i guess there's definitely things but like it's like my way of having a healthy relationship with alcohol now is like every once in a while, if someone offers me a drink and it's like a celebratory thing, like when I finished that hike in Arizona, it was about a year ago now, like that 200 mile hike, there was a dude at the campground at the end of the hike that was just like yeah. camping with his family. And he's like, hey, you guys just hiked 200 miles, you want some beers? And I was like, yes, I would drink a fucking beer right now. And I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I know what that pale ale, it's like pale ale from uh, Grand Canyon Brewery. Like, I know what that pale ale tastes like. I can picture it. I can feel it right now. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and absolutely. Like, and that was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to drink a beer in this situation. Um, and then my other thing is, I, I uh, when when bad people die, I celebrate by <laughs> letting my get drunk. So, like, I love that. Like Donald. Yeah, Donald Rumsfeld died, so I got fucking, like, drunk when I was in Mexico with my family last summer. And I, uh, Ross Limbaugh died, so I got drunk in, in uh, New Orleans, you know? So it's like, I feel like that's yeah. a, a, like a healthy relationship for me to have with it. Luckily, because I can just, like, um, walk away from, or I mean, I don't have, like, the dependency on the level of, like, if I start drinking, I'm just not going to be able to stop. It's just like, right. uh, you know. But yeah, it's, it's it's more of a choice. It's not a it's not a default thing. It's it's allowing yourself to you know to to not live in those absolutes because I think I think anytime the absolutes of like I'm never gonna do this again or I have never never will be this kind of person again. Like I don't I don't think those are helpful ways to look at life because I think we're always changing and growing and living is just about the nuance. And how nothing is black and white ever. So, like, I love that flexibility. And so just, like, reframe it as a as celebratory thing. This is something that when I partake in, it's a choice for a reason and not just because it's a Tuesday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not because it's just what I do. <laughs> yeah. No, because honestly, my relationship used to be, like, it's, yeah, because I'm, like, restless in my house and there's, like, five bars within walking distance that I know I can get some free tequila at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like I'm not gonna pay for a handful of things but like you know, it's like yeah, it's just so easy. And so and so your just default is to be like, I'm just gonna go get fucking drunk and then that's yeah. when it becomes really I mean at least for me it became not really not good not fun too. Like I look back on those times when I was just drinking like six nights a week and I'm like, Oh, you were just coping, you weren't enjoying yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's it's avoiding something. It's it's 
not sitting with yourself or with your feelings if it's if, if you're using it that way you know like I I drink and drink fairly regularly but like I have I take frequent breaks when it's like oh okay what is happening in my life that I'm not paying attention to that's making me want to get drunk every night like what is what am I avoiding with this and like how can I how can I get back to me and does that mean I should take a break so I'm feeling my feelings or does that mean you know something terrible and traumatic happened and it's okay for me to avoid these feelings for a little while while I'm like healing from this thing like how does how does that look and I just I I think that having that sort of like that flexibility and that understanding that everything is so nuanced and there's no no like horrible bad thing it's just like how you are in relation to it at that moment and at that time in your life and being aware of that is the necessary thing yeah i i am I'm with you there i think that it's uh, that balancing act you know um you can i can we talk a little bit about uh your like what your creative process looks like right now and what you're uh what you're working on or um, you know what you're up to yeah so um music's been a little I've, I've been taking a different approach to to creativity over the last um few months I think uh after um you know after the vaccine came out and shows kind of started to come back I I not having shows for a year and not playing for people deeply ruptured like something in me <laughs> of like oh this is it's not just the writing music and the playing music it's the connecting with people through music that is like such a big important thing to me and not having it for that a good chunk of time meant that all of last year um as soon as shows were kind of back and happening I was playing pretty frequently I was just saying yes to every show I was basically just like yes I want to play that yes I want to play that I want to play all of these things all the time and uh it was really fun especially because my last record my last full-length record came out in March of 2020. So it was, I think the day that I got sent home from my office because of COVID was the day that I released my album digitally. And so I never got to play those songs in front of people. And I never got to to sit with crowds. And, you know, after a year of those songs being out and then getting to play those songs for people and having people sing along and, and feel them and see them in person was just magical. And I really just went hard and played so many shows last year. And I, I loved it. I was just, you know, almost every week I was doing another one and me and Jordan had a pretty tight live set put together and we were just having a lot of fun with it. And it was the first time that I'd played with like just that setup, which is just me and my guitar and singing and then Jordan on lead guitar, but then with, you know, our, our drum machine and his computer setup so we can do like more of a backing track and similar enough to the album to where it's not just me and my guitar, um, which was just really fun and really validating. Um, but I burned out really hard. <laughs> I did not have the stamina for, for playing that often and doing that much around that many people after being pretty isolated and closed off for such a long time before that. So once November hit, I kind of stopped booking things and I'm still kind of feeling like I'm in that phase of just like, I'm not saying yes to a lot of shows and being really selective about what I'm playing and really just trying to focus on recording. Um, I've, we've, Jordan and I have been taking a pretty different approach to recording lately where mostly it's just, you know, a Saturday for a few hours, we're in his living room and then the next weekend we're in my living room and we're just putting together cool samples or perfecting lyrics a little bit or like trying new vocal layering takes and like just 
approaching it really differently and with no like end goal in mind. Um, I've always been kind of a, I'm going to write an album and then record it and put it out. And then I'm going to write an album and record it and put it out. Because that's what you do when you're a musician. And right now I'm just kind of like, I'm going to take all of these bits and pieces of songs that I wrote that were really raw and difficult and um, intense emotions over the last couple of years and see how I can express them in like new ways that stretch me as an artist and as a person. And a lot of the writing that I've been doing is like very, um, very like self-reflective. I feel like I used to write a lot of songs that were like, you did this to me. <laughs> and now I'm like writing songs of like, and I interpreted it this way because of all of this childhood trauma. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been a very different way to write songs, but I've, I've been really liking just like sitting with them and taking time to record them. And I'm kind of hopeful that um, that we'll have some sort of like EP or maybe even a full album, but like there's no timeline for us. And that mm -hmm. would be like within a within the next year. So really, it's just kind of like putting together songs. And when we're stoked on one, maybe we'll release it as a single, or like maybe we'll just sit on it and see what happens with it. And that feels really good to just like not have any sort of deadlines or structures or plan, and just kind of saying like we're doing this because we want to, and because it's fun, and we like it, and we're proud of it when something comes out of it. But it's like not necessary, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of hanging out. <laughs> I love that. I think that'll be, I'm really excited to hear what y'all come up with because I love what I love what Jordan does, everything I've heard of him. And the last record was, is one of, is just like one of my favorite records in the past two years. It's so good, just top to bottom. Oh. And I, I'd say that to you if I hadn't known you for 10 years, you know, <laughs> I think it's, it's a amazing record. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, I'm super proud of it. And I'm, I'm, I just feel really lucky to have Jordan in my life. I think we write together really well and work together really well. We're like both anxious little homebodies and just like have a lot of understanding and like patience and grace for each other. And it, it just it feels like a very comfortable place to be in with music. And I, I'm feeling excited about it, but like not in any way that's rushed, which is new for me. So I'm trying to just appreciate that <laughs> that's really cool i'm uh i'm really excited for that i'm excited for you and uh um i know you you have to get going soonish so i don't want to keep you too long um yeah <laughs> i'm dang i'm having trouble let's see if you could if no you could worries. talk to um 15 year old you what would you what would you say oh gosh and, that's um, a great question hmm. and what do you think um, they would say to you? i i feel like i i think about this a lot lately because I've, I've been you know thinking about my childhood and a lot of things that happened in my childhood a lot and a lot of things that happened as a teenager and I, I feel like one of one of the things I'm most proud of in my life right now is that I think that like 16 year old me would be really fucking stoked on who I am as a person now I think they would think I was really cool <laughs> and and at that time all I wanted was to be somebody that was cool 
<laughs> in like a good like I, I valued coolness over too many other things and I think that's what I would want to talk to them about of just like hey <laughs> some things that are cool are maybe not that good <laughs> and you don't have to prioritize cool things so much um but I, I think she'd be really proud of me and uh I I really don't have like any as as much like crazy shit that's happened in my adult life especially like the last several years like I don't have any real regrets like I wouldn't warn her about anything and I wouldn't I wouldn't tell her to like prepare or like choose a different thing I would just like give her a hug <laughs> tell her tell her it's gonna be okay <laughs> I love that. yeah <laughs> That's uh, you. You had me think of something. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, coolness is because cool is cool. You know, like I get it, but like, yeah, I guess it's like it's something I thought is like cool or genuine is always cool, but cool is not always genuine. And try and look yeah. for where they're both, they're both present. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think my like definition of what cool is is what's changed so much over the last years and and yeah I think genuineness is is a huge part of that it's just is this cool because it's trying to be cool or is it cool because it just is fucking cool (laughs) and then just not caring about that so much and just trying to be more genuine (laughs) and a lot of that is just sitting with yourself and and getting to know yourself so you can be your genuine self whatever that looks like and that makes it cool (laughs) yeah exactly that's that's the truth of it. I think you're very genuine and very cool, Josely. I love you, and I'm so happy to call you my friend. Chuck, I feel exactly the same way. I'm just so honored to be in your orbit, and I love that you asked me to play shows with you and you come back to Salt Lake City, and I love every album you put out and every new project you work on. And I'm just luckier in my life, so right back at you, friend. Thank you very much. That, that made me feel very good. I, I appreciate good. it. And uh, <laughs> for everyone listening, this weekend, this, this podcast will be coming out on Thursday. So on Saturday, two days from now, Joseph Lee and I are playing a show together at the Garage on Beck in Salt Lake City. Um, I believe it's $10 and probably starts around 8. You should get there around 8. It'll probably start around 8.30, I imagine. Um Oh, yeah. So excited. Yeah. Love sharing. I'm so excited. Yeah. And, like, the last time we played at the garage was, like, a little bit before the pandemic, I want to say. And that was, like, a killer job. It was, like, the summer before the pandemic, I want to say. Yeah. And it was so fun. Just a completely different lifetime ago. So I'm excited to see you again. (laughs) Same. Same. It's going to be great. Everybody, if you're listening and you're in Salt Lake City, please come to the show. Um, And, uh, Listen to Josely's record, No Woman is the Sea, as well as you've released a handful of singles recently, right? I know I've heard a couple of Josely songs that I dug. Yeah, got a, a couple new ones floating around out there on all the all the things, so. Cool. Give them a listen, and uh, we'll see you all on Saturday if you're in Salt Lake City. And uh, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for coming on my podcast. It's great to talk with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chuck. It was so good to chat with you. Uh, you have a great rest of your evening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Hell yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Chuck. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye.